It's hard to overemphasize the importance of Romans chapter 7 for Christian growth, Christian faith, assurance in the Lord that we are safe in Him. It is a truly astonishing chapter. I hope you will explore it for yourself. Don't just listen to it uh, from me, but get your teeth into it and, uh, and pick it apart because it is the foundation of the gospel. Now, you know, I said something last time that I want to emphasize today, and uh, Paul is talking about this uh, terrible paradox or conflict that uh, Christians experience because they are faced with a law that is spiritual, but they are faced with a human nature that is carnal. And that's not before conversion, mind you. Paul is not talking here about this is what I was or who I was before I was converted, but now I'm converted and things are different, chapter 8. No, that's a misinterpretation which I will uh, make clear as we go along. What Paul is saying is the reality is all this side of the coming of Jesus Christ, that the law is spiritual and always will be spiritual, but we are carnal and always will be carnal until Christ comes and transforms this mortal and uh, until we, so that we put on immortality and this corruptible uh, so that we put on incorruption. Now, he's making that point clear so that we understand the necessity of recognizing ourselves to be dead to the law, to be delivered from it. Otherwise, it will plague you, it will torment you, it will uh, uh, accuse you, and you will be brought down every day by discouragement, depression, despair, and simply the reality of a human nature that doesn't seem to fit into the kingdom of heaven. You remember that I said last time, I quoted uh, verse 16. Well, let's read verse 14 to know, verses 14 and 15 to get the connection. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not, uh, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And that isn't a sidebar, as if it were an important, uh, an unimportant parenthesis. Paul emphasizes it and restates it again uh, in uh, verse. Uh, what is it now? Verse twenty. Let's read on. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me, but now, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, here's where he repeats it, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Now, some people protest vehemently on this and say, this is Paul before he was converted. This can't be Paul, the converted man. It is clearly Paul, the converted man. Because there is no one as an unconverted man who could say, it is not I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. 
the very fact that Paul can dissociate himself from his uh, carnal nature means, indicates that he's talking as a converted man. In any case, that's not the point. The point is not, is Paul talking about his, his, himself before or after conversion? For the point is that Paul is talking about humanity in general. He is using the I here, the personal pronoun, as, an, uh, a, as a generic form of humanity. He's explaining why the law is a tormentor to us when in fact it is good. There's nothing wrong with it. But it is not the law that torments directly. It is the law that torments through sin, which is what we were talking about last week. You remember? Satan takes advantage of the law. For legalists, this is an absolute conundrum. For the person who understands the gospel, it is absolutely as clear as day. The truth is... You cannot be a legalist if you seriously study and accept Romans chapter 7. You cannot be someone who believes that the law must be kept perfectly in order to be saved. God does not bring Jesus to forgive us of our sins and then to give us power to keep the law. God brings Jesus to us who is our righteousness instead of the righteousness of the law. Now, this is only understood if you can truly embrace what Paul says here when he says, verse 17, as I say in verse 20, for, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And verse 20, now, if I do what I do not to do, will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. How can this be believed? How can it be stated? Look, the world is all into its own identity. A child from his young first uh, decade into his uh, second decade is uh, trying to establish his ego. He is trying to establish who he is and how to feel comfortable in his own skin, and what his talents are, and how he stands out from the crowd. And that goes on into our twenties and thirties, until we become enormously disillusioned with ourselves, if we've got any brains, that is, and we find that all the dreams we had uh, have fallen down like flakes of ash, and we simply are disappointed that we could not fulfill our goals. That is why most people, I think the statistics are, that most people are converted after the age of 30. It is remarkable because, you see, that decade seems to show that all our dreams and goals have failed, most of them anyway. And we have to look again at who am I? Who do, what, 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 what represents me? Do, do my successes represent me? Uh, do the visions and dreams that I have set for myself and that I have fulfilled somewhat, do they represent me? Uh, does my class uh, distinction represent me, my upbringing, my pedigree, my intelligence, my IQ, my wealth, my image, my appearance, my ability to speak? None of these things represent me, but it is 
It takes a, a lifetime to realize that that is true. Because, you see, the gospel is that Jesus represents me, that Jesus has come to the world to stand in for humanity and to identify humanity in himself. And that is something which we simply just rubs us the wrong way. It just doesn't make sense. For Paul to say, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me, is a load of poppycock for most people. Balderdash. But for the man and woman who has been crushed, for the man and woman who has lost everything, for the man and woman who has come to the end of himself, this makes sense. And that is why those who believe it are humble. They're not humble because they are great. They are humbled because they have been humbled. They are humbled because they have come to an end of themselves and realized that they haven't got what it takes to live humanity. You and I have been brought down by our sins. We've been brought down by so much defeat and failure and despair and loss. All of that was intended by God. Before we believe or understood the gospel or understood what, uh, understood what God was on about, we thought, well, why hasn't God come through for me? Why hasn't he helped me when I called out to him? Why is he so silent? Why have he, has he not helped me to fulfill all my goals? And we don't realize that God is actually working against us, not really, just kidding, working against us because he's working for us. We are working against ourselves. We have the ego of a fallen human being. We have the ego of an Adam who thought he could go it alone and walk out of the garden and be okay or take that fruit and not be damaged by it. You see, we are on our own in our own minds. We think we can make it. We cannot. And so Paul has brought to us this good news. Of course, Jesus has brought it to us. Paul has simply been a humble follower and listened carefully and followed the train of thought that Jesus uh, brought to us, the reality of the atoning sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And Paul, as a result of this, has realized that he is identified in a new and different personhood, Christ, and that therefore what goes on in his instincts, in his um, uh, natural emotions, in his drives, in his lusts, in his desires, is no longer to be accounted as truly he, truly him, anymore, truly he, more grammatically, but we can let that go. It is no longer him anymore. You and I have to discover that and believe it and identify ourselves in Christ. Otherwise, your troubles, your sins, your habits, if you've got addictions, your addictions, will batter you down to death. They will simply bring you to your knees because you will be identifying yourself with your addiction. Stop it. You are free now from that identity of addiction. 
Yes, you may still be struggling with alcohol or drugs or food issues or sex issues, but you are not identified in them. This is not to say you become some person in denial, some schizophrenic. It's to say that you have now seen that the true self that was originally yours in Adam but was lost has been regained in Christ and that therefore you identify yourself in him. He has given himself to you as your new identity. Therefore you can say, Father, though I have failed, though I have sinned, I thank you that you have forgiven me, and I thank you also that that was not the true me. The true me is who I am in Jesus Christ. Now, I will wager this, that every man or woman who has overcome uh, an addiction has done so by unconsciously disidentifying with it. He didn't know he was doing it if he wasn't a Christian, but the Holy Spirit was leading him, and he's leading you too. You don't say, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict, I'm a sex addict, I'm a foodaholic, uh, and I'm trying to overcome it. No. You say, I realize now that I am an innocent, freed human being, son and daughter of God in Jesus Christ. And he, because of his love and mercy towards me, has taken away that identity that I had before and has been crucified for it. And because of that, I now live, even though I may struggle, without my addiction identity. Thank you for joining me today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens. You've been listening to my program that uh, airs every Monday through Friday at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and surrounding states areas. Or you can hear it any time of the day or night on your smartphone. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook when you get there. Would you kindly consider a donation to help the radio program keep going. It's $39 per 15 minutes. Send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160, or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much. Thanks for all your help. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.